You're listening to Marketing News Canada, Canada's number one show featuring the brightest minds in marketing, PR, and digital advertising. Welcome to another episode of Marketing News Canada. Today, we are very, very lucky to have Camilla joining us. Camilla is a passionate storyteller and believes that the best work comes from a place of purpose, curiosity, and collaboration. She's held amazing marketing roles in financial and professional services. And and most recently, she's joined that A-team over at McDonald's Canada as the marketing lead for the West, where she leads brand growth and drives all their priorities. Camilla, welcome to Marketing News Canada. Our listeners and I are very happy to have you here today. Thank you so much, Daryl and everyone. I'm just so thrilled to be here. That's great. Well, I, I think, you know, maybe uh, I, can't, I this is more of a personal question for myself. What is your favorite McDonald's menu item? Ooh, hands down the McNuggets. The always, McNugget meal. Always been the McNuggets? Always been the McNuggets. And oh, I actually wow. absolutely love our fudge sundae with peanuts. It is my go-to ice cream treat. Oh man, I think I think I'm gonna have to agree with you on both those fronts. That's <laughs> pretty stellar, yeah. They're pretty good. Well, that's amazing. I'm definitely going to be opening up my Uber Eats delivery here right after this, right after this podcast. But I'd love to, uh, I'd love for you to share your your background and you know how did you find yourself in this leadership position at McDonald's Canada? What's your origin story? So take our listeners through you know how you got involved in in this industry, how you became curious to grow within marketing, and yeah, what's your origin story, Camilla? That's a really great and non-linear question. So I actually started my career in academia. I was going to be a professor of English literature. I absolutely love storytelling, close reading, understanding audiences, communication practices. And so I had my master's in English literature. And then the economic breakdown happened. And I was very fortunate to get hired on from a summer internship into a full-time role at Scotiabank in international banking. And mm-hmm. what is now customer experience, but used to be sales and service. And it was an absolutely fascinating world where I got, I got to see where a lot of the presentations, which to me were stories, mm-hmm. really resonated and or not with the frontline staff. And then had lots of opportunities to, to kind of create stories, create training, really listen, understand, and kind of synthesize. And as I talked to my boss, um, she really encouraged me to job shadow in in Scotia. And so Mm -hmm. I did job shadows throughout a couple of departments and absolutely fell in love with marketing. From the briefs to the creative, to pitching to the stakeholders, really understanding and assessing and synthesizing again what the needs were. Fell in love with marketing, ended up taking a lot of certifications through the Canadian Marketing Association and eCornell and just really, really kind of sank my teeth into that world Mm -hmm. and got to go to many portfolios that supported everything from corporate and commercial to small business to retail to the different products. And fell in love with brand marketing. To me, that brand architecture, that storytelling, um, and really, again, understanding not what is the business need, not just from the bank, but from the customer point of view. And then how do you tell really relevant stories? That's, That's what really jazzes me up, gets me up in the morning. And then there was more and more channels that kept opening and more and more ways to communicate and get the message out and and engage with the end user. And yeah, so I kept getting progressively more senior positions, had an opportunity to go down to PLA 
for two years with the bank where I was in charge of brand segment, um, some of the strategic partnerships. So we were one of the first organizations or banks within Latin America to partner with Netflix and Spotify, which was a ton of fun. And yeah, I had, I had been supporting international markets my entire career, but hadn't really lived the experience. And I really believe that you need Mm. to walk in the shoes in order to understand And then my personal life uh, brought me back to Canada, to Vancouver specifically. And I was very fortunate to be hired on by Deloitte Canada to lead the marketing operations in BC. An incredible opportunity, B2B world, but it really opened my eyes to all of the different industries, all of the different services that Deloitte offers, and just the incredible world of entrepreneurship. And the opportunities that came came with that, and you know, as I, as I did my work there, uh, a lot of B two B, a lot of social, digital, just really, really incredible stuff that the organization is doing and making an impact on the Canadian landscape and in BC specifically, as was my role. But I ended up falling in love with consumer as an industry. I think it's the it's really the canary of what's going to happen in industry, how consumer trends are going to evolve. Um, I think it's also where a lot of people's passion is because they they love the brands. It's a day-to-day brand. There's a lot of preference and a lot of um, affect for what's happening. And so I really, I wanted to, to continue growing and challenging myself and had an opportunity to move over to McDonald's Canada. And again, it's an industry that I was not familiar with, but I I took the challenge head on and it's been a wild and fun, almost 12 months in the middle of the pandemic too. Talk about a transition during something that was very unknown in that pandemic period. Well, that's a really, really amazing background. And I think definitely uh, some of the marketers that are in our listeners and our audience, some of what you said about taking on industries that are unknown to them within marketing and and just applying their knowledge and frameworks and people and approach, I think that'll resonate really strongly with them. So that's a really cool history to share. Thanks for sharing. I'm curious. So no, no worries. Um, when you, when you were at your time at Scotiabank, what years are we talking? Are we talking 2010, 2005, like what, what, what around? Yeah, it was like 2008, maybe 2007 onwards, where mm-hmm. I, I really started my my career with Scotia. And it was at a time where they were aggressively expanding into the Latin American markets, which was a lot of fun. For me as a Spanish speaker, I got to be on a lot of fun projects and speak to very, very high up executives very early in my career. Great experience. And why I'm asking that is because I think that I'm curious as to how you saw the rise of digital and the rise of social when you first started to enter marketing and these high-level meetings with vendors and partners and establishing strategies. What was that, from your perspective, seeing the evolution of digital priorities and social priorities while you were there? Yeah, it was definitely a very interesting evolution where when social media really started gaining ground, it was more on the periphery. And it was more of like, hey, this would be a cool idea if, or like, could we maybe experiment? But it was always like very small pilots to scale. And then all of a sudden, it just kind of blew up and it became central to every conversation. There was a lot of discussions around not just how we communicated with their clients, but also what 
services could we offer and how would that resonate? And again, there's a reticence, especially in banking, to share some private data, but there's that um, penchant for convenience. So mm. it was really, how do we balance that? What is the right mix? And uh, with Scotia specifically, at the time, we made like significant investments in the digital factory. And it wasn't just about how we communicated by why. How, how did we become more frictionless? How did we maybe compress some of the the service times or the procedures both in the back end and in the front end. So it became from something that was on the periphery to something that like the Watergate kind of broke and everyone had to get mm-hmm. their arms around it. And it was just a really interesting period because you had uh, digital natives that came from other industries. And then you had people that had grown up in the bank and were more used to traditional marketing. So it was really a collaborative process of learning and testing and piloting and learning fast, I'm going to call it, because there was a lot of pivots along the way. So I think it just came with a lot of humility and a lot of, yep, this is a thing. Like we need to get our arms around it. And then how do we start increasing, increasing, and then blowing it up? Thanks for sharing. I feel like I'm I'm in that boat sometimes personally still where there's a new platform update or an API update. I'm like, well, this is now the reality of this. And now we need to pivot right away. Yeah. 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 And I think like yeah. that for marketing, it's always and even more now, right? Like there's consistent pivoting. There's new platforms, like you said, every day and audiences are going, they're so niche now. So how do you create that mass awareness? And then how do you really resonate with where they are? Definitely. Without going into details you cannot share about obviously ongoing campaigns. I'm curious as to your day-to-day. Could you maybe take us through what you would normally touch on in your role with McDonald's Canada and and take our listeners through like, you know, at, at your high, very high level, what is what do you touch on in a day-to-day? What does your work week look like? Yeah, I mean that's that's always a really interesting question for me. I think a typical day is atypical. So <laughs> there's definitely, um, like, there's never a typical day. And, you know, you often go in with an intent to do certain things, but it gets derailed or enhanced or <laughs> pivoted by, oh, by yeah. certain Amen. needs. But what's really interesting for me about McDonald's is you have you have headquarters, you have the national office in Canada, you also have the global layer, and then you are working very closely with owner operators and franchisees. So it's just this really interesting dialogue and momentum and and, and mm-hmm. learning of, you know, what is the strategy? How does it resonate? How will it resonate with the, with the end user, with our guests? So it's, it's a lot of strategy. It's a lot of, okay, and then what are the tactics? How do we roll it out? And I mean, my experience in McDonald's has been like throughout the pandemic. So again, it's a lot of discussions around safety uh, of our people and yes. of our guests and the, the different iterations and needs and closures and uh, yeah, the different iterations of, of COVID-19 and how that's impacted business and really evolved business. And what I've been really um, astonished to find is just all of the right building blocks are there and just how flexible mm-hmm. and agile the system has been to be successful and that the appetite to grow. So that's a really exciting time period to come in at, but I feel like yeah, my typical day is atypical in nature. Yeah, I can definitely understand that the past year, you know, your time at McDonald's Canada has been an unprecedented time for any industry in any position, let alone a leadership one. So it, it must've been a lot of, gut reactions mixed with tempered with wisdom and 
early mornings and late nights for you over the last year. Have you had the chance to meet meet your team in person? Yes and no. So I have a team member who sits in Calgary and same with some of the agency who supports us. They sit kind of across Western Canada. So I've met some folks and it's been kind of a wild ride because it's been a 2D connection. And then all of a sudden I see them and they're either a lot taller than I thought or like just very 3D. So it's kind of <laughs> been a bit wild. <laughs> I, I totally get the seeing how tall they are. That's been something for me as I meet people and then I've been on Zoom calls for, you know, this moment that's been happening more and more now that things are starting to open back up. You see someone that you've had, you know, hours of Google yeah. Hangouts and Zoom calls with for the first time. Like, oh, you're very you were... tall. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's really nice. It's, it's added this like, it's almost like an innocent fun back into meeting someone that you work with. And, you know, maybe it was, it's something that I think everyone's kind of craving is that those little fun moments that, that are, you know, they miss in the day to day at the office. I would just say that like, yeah, I think I'm craving that in person for sure. But I'm also so weirdly grateful for having a chance to meet colleagues like in their home uh, mm-hmm. through Zoom. Because I think it yeah. brings a personal a personal level of connection. Like I love when like kids or pets make surprise appearances or like, you, I don't know if you can see the Lego behind me, but that's like from our 10-year-old and he loves Lego. So like it's, it's things that you wouldn't necessarily see in an office setting or in a workplace setting that all of a sudden you have like a more human connection, even though it's never been in person. Yeah. It's so curious to think about where video chats were and how widely adopted they were utilized in non-international companies, companies where, you know, it was those people face-to-face was the standard client meetings, face-to-face is the standard. It's crazy to think about how in one year we've now normalized this type of meeting structure and presentation structure and you know for you you know bringing up meeting people in their homes as being more genuine authentic is a beautiful way of putting it i never thought about that i always thought about like how am i hiding who i am on the calls how can i like fold my clothes better back here or tell my wife i'm on this call so she doesn't open the door and come in you know <laughs> yeah. it's so fun it is really fun it's a really good reflection on from your end I wanted to switch gears a little bit. And as you know, the Tokyo Olympics are on. Go Canada women's soccer team took gold this morning. That was awesome. Woke up bright and early to watch that. That was so magical. Got tears in the (laughs) eyes. When you watch and you see these big international events, you know, Olympics is the thing that's on now. But if it wasn't this, it'd be something else. Where does your mind go when you start to see the advertisements, whether it's, you know, on-site advertisements like billboards on site or something like the commercials and the broadcast space in between the different programs? Like what, what is your kind of like, how do you like to process and kind of break down the marketing that you see? Because I know everyone who works marketing has this habit of doing it anyways, right? Like it's the first thing we notice. So yeah, what, what do your mind go when you, when you see these big events and how, how does, how do you think about it? For me, it's so funny that you mentioned yeah, because I can't like take the close reading out of it. But I, I really look to see how authentic the connection between the event and the brand is. And to me as well is so it's it's twofold: is how authentic is the connection? Is it really moving forward the narrative, and how is it connecting mm. with the audience? And then what is the value that the company or the brand is bringing back? Because I think. 
you know, gone are the days where you slap a logo on an outdoor totally. advertisement or in rank. It really is about that partnership and growing together. And what is the positive impact that you can make on the community? What's the positive impact that you can have in the value that you bring back to the guest or to the consumer? So I always, I look for whether it's a tangible value of some type of promotion or whether it's an aspiration and then like creating moments of unlearning that move us forward. So I think of Nike, I think of Dove, I think some of these like really fantastic brands that Mm -hmm. are, are breaking down pillars in a very authentic way. And then I also think of, you know, to make a plug, Canada, uh, McDonald's Canada, in Western Canada, we have partnerships with hockey and we have game day deals for mm-hmm. for guests and for our fans who are lovers of the game and lovers of the fandom. So how do we enhance that experience is very key for us. I love the way that you put that, the way that you kind of quantify that is, are they enhancing the narrative of the event and what kind of value are they ultimately bringing back to it? That makes me think about, makes me wonder, you know, in your time working in marketing, what has been your biggest pet peeve when you see brands utilize certain tactics or strategies to communicate their brand or, or promotional messaging? What's a, what's a pet peeve of yours or few? Yeah, <laughs> there's a long list, but I think like anything that feels really inauthentic. So brand partnerships that feel inauthentic really drive me bonkers. And I think because it feels very contrived. So it's not really mm-hmm. moving the story forward. It's not creating any type of positive impact. It's not really imparting either knowledge or additional value. And it's creating a bit of unattainable goal setting that's quite unhealthy for our society. So whether it's like ideas of toxic masculinity or body dysmorphia or just very unattainable, unsustainable concepts, that really drives me crazy. And I do think that brands have a responsibility to the community and they have a responsibility to positively build it up. So when it's done right, it can be so powerful. And when it's not done right, it can be so Mm -hmm. damaging uh, in the the grander context of things. So that would be one. I, I think for me, like as well, just from a storytelling perspective, like ads that have, it's like everything and, and you don't know, like, what is the message? What's the call to action? Like you try to fit, it becomes like a bit of a camel and I can always almost picture like the briefing process <laughs> and then the pitching process and then the sign off process when you're like, you start with a really good idea and then it gets completely dissuaded because like, oh yeah, every piece of advertisement or marketing has a role to play. Not every piece can do everything. So it, it does drive me a little bit crazy because then it becomes less about the strategy and impact and more about a checkbox. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place by working more efficiently, by using more sustainable practices, by developing better technologies. We keep moving forward with each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. 
As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Totally. It's something that I know a lot of our listeners will resonate with as well as, as some of them are agency owners, some of them are brand side. We've all been there where you know that initial brief is presented and created. And then when the campaign is live in market, you're, you're there and you're kind of, oh, I can't believe I was a part of that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So you had mentioned a couple of brands there that you you respect and you like the the way that they've approached uh, how they've crafted their promotional messaging and value driven messaging. I'm curious, you know, at that level, taking taking a step back and looking at a marketing industry in, in as in general, what are some trends you're seeing in those brands that you'd love to follow right now? For sure, and I think so. To me, one of the trends, and I w- I would say it goes beyond a trend, and it's more a value, purpose-driven marketing is really resonating with me. So again, you have these big or not so big Mm -hmm. brands that are really trying to positively make an impact. Yes, they are a business. There is a bottom line, Mm -hmm. but they also are feeling a responsibility to do more and to create a sustainable future. So I think of brands like Tentry or Native Shoes or Lululemon, some of these retail brands that are really, I feel, putting out a very positive, almost like circular economy message out into the world and are really, really consistent end to end from the marketing that they do to how they source to the supply chain elements. So that to me is really exciting. And I think that is going to be a trend for the future. I love the idea of co-creation and co-curation. So I think certain brands, instead of falling into that sponsorship logo placement only, are really working with creators that are passionate about the brand, are already ambassadors of the brand, Mm -hmm. um, and creating something very authentic, positive, and very tangible in a way. Mm -hmm. uh, Because it's real people making real real content. So that really jazzes me up. And I think that's going to continue. I think marketing will more so than ever be a dialogue. And the more that, you know, big brands, that's something that I contend with as well. Like, okay, you Mm -hmm. have your brand guidelines and your aspirations. When you open it up to co-creation, co-curation, how does that dialogue work? Mm-hmm. So that's definitely a trend that I'm seeing. And then a lot of data-driven marketing, I think it is the, the art and the science of it all, of knowing that creative works, but being able to tell and just being a lot more granular and a lot more smart about how and what you're putting out and when and where and how it's resonating. So that's that's very exciting. 
And then I guess like the last one, because I could go on and on. No, no, but this last, is amazing. Uh, Please. <laughs> the last trend that I'm kind of really excited about is, and and I've heard it a couple of times, it's no longer like B2B or B2C, it's B2H. So it's businesses to humans. Wow. And I think that that human layer of like, I love McDonald's. I believe in the product. I believe in the brand. I believe in what we do and being able to like truly stand behind it as a marketer and being able to market that is very exciting. And I have to tell you, my 10 year old thinks I'm an absolute hero because I work at McDonald's. So that's, that's pretty cool as well. But I think it's, I'm 36. I agree. You know, <laughs> at the end of the day, whether you're a consumer or you're in a business, you're a human first. And I think that shift in marketing is so monumentally exciting. Thank you for sharing. That's, I think, you know, when you were talking about purpose driven marketing, I think that really hits home with a lot of. I don't want to say wokeness because I hate that term, but just social media has really allowed yeah. marketing to be that dialogue. And I wholeheartedly agree that this is the standard moving forward. Platforms like TikTok, where it's, you know, it's, it's, it's as a platform, TikTok natively is the thing that makes mundane things more engaging, right? That's whereas Instagram was yeah. the, was the complete flip of that is how do I make everything look like it's the most amazing thing ever? I think yeah. being aware of that as a brand and, and being in the position you are must be really exciting when you see a, a general shift in how social media platforms and their audiences change the way they like to engage with content and build content for you. Yeah. Yeah. And I think it's also a bit of a canary in the mind because it shows you where consumer mentality is going. So what, what is, what is missing? What's the opportunity? What's the craving? It's mm -hmm. really, it's like an amazing listening platform to see where, where are people going, what's resonating. And I think that's, that's really exciting because it kind of cuts so many layers where you're making assumptions and you're literally mm. seeing what people want. They are telling you in very entertaining forms what they want. Definitely. You just got to be able to get through some of the jarring music and audio sometimes to be able to do that. We use a platform... <laughs> internally called meltwater for for creating you know specific briefs using brand listening across online so when you start to talk about data driven marketing that's music to my ears you you wouldn't believe how often we still have to make that argument to brands even large ones where where that is you know it, it seems like it should be an automatic this is how you approach everything your marketing specifically yeah. yet it, it's a concept can be foreign to some i want to switch gears again you are very busy. You have a team that needs you day in and day out. You have a brand that needs your attention and your utmost attention at that. What do you do to disconnect when you, you know, we just had the long weekend. We, we you know, you book some holidays. What, what's your favorite thing to do? Um, and obviously your personal life is very busy as well. I picked up that you have a 10 year old. Um, what do you do to disconnect as a marketer? So a couple of things and it's something I mean, I feel like I shouldn't be giving advice because it's something that I'm on a continuous journey uh, to learn <laughs> how to disconnect. But what works for me, <laughs> I love going on walks. So 30 mm. minutes where sometimes I either listen to a podcast or listen to music or actually a lot of the times I've started leaving my headphones at home 
and just taking it all in. Yes. And I think it just, it yes. kind of helps me reset, reframe and not consume because we're constantly consuming information and needs and requests. So it's just, it's a moment to kind of pause. I also find working out and I, I've been doing Orange Theory at home and I love it because it like kicks my behind every time. And I, I can't focus on anything other than like breathe and don't die. So <laughs> it's just, it's a way to disconnect from like the constant, just like thinking and feeling yeah. and like making yeah. connections. Yeah. And then the other is I absolutely love reading. I'm a passionate reader, um, slow reader. Cause again, I can't just, I can't just read it. It has to be like closed reading. And I'm like, Oh, like what are the themes and what's happening? Yeah. But I find a lot of inspiration in, in words. In, in, and in fiction specifically. Fiction. Oh, amazing. You're the first, I've only had five of these, but you're the first person who's mentioned fiction on their disconnecting question. Cause usually reading will always be on there, but I've never heard fiction. I'm a big fiction yeah. reader myself too. So that's amazing. Amazing. <laughs> yeah. I, I feel that, you know, when you talk about me making that decision to, you know, when you're walking out the door for that walk, you look at your AirPods and you go, Hmm. I'm going to leave those there and just take in the 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 sounds of the seawall or you the sounds of the beach and just not think and clear your mind. That's something that I think a lot of a lot of our listeners and a lot of people in our industry actually probably have had the time to do during these last year and a half of work from home because the walk became something you could do as a as a way of kind of relaxing your mind. So it's so curious to think about that and how you know, how that has affected our ability to to kind of recharge and be able to to have a, a work day that shifts in between sitting in front of a screen for three hours for 15 meetings and then taking some time for yourself. I'd love for you to share some advice with our audience on specifically on the brand and agency side. So, you know, you, as someone working brand side, I'm not sure about your vendors, or your partners, but you probably have a couple of them. What is a big piece of advice on considerations for agency owners or ag- people working in agencies when they're talking to brands? That's a phenomenal question. And to me, like, so do you mean like when they're pitching or when I you think have the once the when it's one, we're, we're partners. Once you have the partnership, then you're you're responsible to help bring, you know, be a digital partner or be a, a marketing partner to that to that brand. You know, what are what is what is a big piece of advice that you can give? I think for me, it's, and I I truly feel this, that relationship between agency and brand is a partnership. Mm -hmm. And I am able to do what I do and be successful because I work with partners. Mm -hmm. So when you have skin in the game, when you care as much as I care, that's really important. I love, and I have it with our agencies now, they're proactive in bringing ideas or sources of inspiration, or, you know, they'll like do little like market quests and they'll share. And I think that's, that just shows the passion and the curiosity. And I think that's really important to our earlier point in the discussion, things are changing so quickly. So again, I think that curiosity and like the question, what if? What if I think that just unlocks incredible passion and excitement for me, because it means that as an agency partner, you're looking in the future of where we could go and what is possible. And 
I think that just raises the conversation because it's so easy to get locked into the day-to-day and the execution with like moments of planning and moments of foresight. So that what if, how we consider, like, yeah. what if we did? I'm like, music <laughs> yeah, to my That's ears. amazing. I think that it's going to be very valuable for some of our listeners to kind of take that away. Because I think more often than not, agencies can get stuck in a place of just pure execution. And that may be the, you know, the fault of the agency and not scoping mm-hmm. enough time to be able to you know, come to you with these what if scenarios and do the research. But I think being a true partner is, is a huge takeaway for, for, for our listeners there. So thank you. I wanted to move into our rapid fire question round. Now I know there's a little bit of lag I'm sensing, but I'm going to try to make this work. Gut answers. Okay. Definitely want authentic responses from you here. If you want to take a sentence, take a sentence. If you want to take a couple, take a couple. But yeah, let's kick this off. So the first question is, what was your first job? Newspaper. I was a newspaper girl. Delivery? Yes. Nice. Nice. Me too, actually. (laughs) Uh, What was your worst job? I don't think I've had a worse job. Like I've always learned something from from everywhere that I've had. So I can't say, like, I don't regret any of the jobs that I've had. Wow, this is you are you are like the optimal team member. Then is what you're saying there. Are you a night owl or are you an early riser? Oh, night owl, a hundred percent. I'm not a morning person. Wow, that's awesome. That's great. What was the first thing you marketed? It was a small business services in work when I, I had my own like paper business. So I marketed that it was like cards and little knickknacks that I made as a kid. And I really peddled that marketing to my parents' friends. That's amazing. I love hearing that just hustling <laughs> for, for that Seven Eleven candy money. I love it. Oh yeah. Um, this one, this one's a fun question. What was the last charity you you've made the decision to support financially with either your, your money or your time and, and why? Easy. Next Gen Men. It's an amazing organization that really focuses on creating safe, safe spaces nice. for boys and men. So it's really having a 10 year old boy for me. It's really important that I provide and learn and give him everything that I can to step away from toxic masculinity to make sure that he can be the best person that he can be. So I donate both time and money. Um, absolutely wonderful. Please check it out. It's an incredible organization. That's amazing. Sorry, what, what would the URL be for our listeners here? www.nextgenmen.ca. There we go. The it's old one of my favorite CA. pages. So. That, <laughs> that's amazing that you that you are, are putting your time and, and, and finances towards that. And what, what initiative? That's definitely something I think I can get behind and our team can get behind here. A little lighter question. What is your favorite song or album that you've been listening to a lot recently? Ooh, I have to say I've been going down memory lane with Taylor Swift right now. So, uh, oh my god. <laughs> with her re-releases, I'm really I'm checking out her new stuff and going back to her old stuff. Yeah, I like I've gone down into like Swift Talk. It's been a bit of a slippery slope, but oh, I love Swift it. Talk. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. Okay, this one, this one will take maybe a little bit. Maybe you'll answer this one really quick, or maybe it'll take you a little bit. What is currently? What is your most treasured physical possession? 
It used to be my passport, but I haven't been able to use it. So I would say probably my personal phone because it keeps me connected to family and friends. And I also love taking photos. So it's just a really quick and easy way for me to get creative. That's great. I think that a lot of people will, will say the same answer, me included. What is the most important thing that you've changed your mind about? Probably change. I think for me, hmm. it's scary. It's very scary to make a leap, but every time that I've done it, it's been an incredibly positive experience. And whether I stay long or I don't, whether it's super positive or not super positive, it makes me the person that I am today. And I'm, I'm really grateful about that. So change, embrace it. It's uncomfortable, but you kind of have to go with that. Totally. In, in our short time talking together, I would challenge you on that and say that you're the positive change that happens in all the places that you go. Thank you. That's thank you. <laughs> yeah, your your attitude is 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 amazing. So, Camilla, thank you so much for your time today. It's not every day our listeners get to listen to someone of your stature, of your experience, share the knowledge and insight about your upbringing, the lessons you've learned coming up through marketing and and the role that you hold today. So, from from Marketing News Canada, from our listeners, from the other hosts, thank you so much for joining us. It was it was an absolute pleasure getting to know you a little bit better. Thank you so much. What a privilege. I really appreciate it. Thanks for listening to Marketing News Canada. For more episodes and other great stories from Canadian marketers, visit marketingnewscanada.com. All episodes are recorded in the Jelly Marketing Studio, thanks to our producer, Chris Penner, and editors, Travis Jeffers and The Podfather. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Remember to use code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets If you don't win your first bet, place your money line, prop, or parlay bets with the king of sportsbooks today. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently, by using more sustainable practices, by developing better technologies, we keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success.